So my name is David. Welcome to CCF, especially to our visitors. We're glad you are with us. Um, yeah, great of you to come spend a good Friday with us. We're going we're gonna to talk a bit more about... <laughs> We're going to talk a bit more about Good Friday towards the end of our talk. But um, we started a new series, so Hearing God. Um, we started that last week. We're going to keep, uh, continue on in that. So last Friday, just if you've missed, just a, a real brief little uh, recap here. We talked about God's desire to speak to us. God doesn't just want to kind of speak to us in a generic, to whom it you know, may concern kind of way, you know, just read my book and that's all you need. But he wants to speak to us in very personal, specific ways in our life. We talked about that our, our relationship with God should be a two-way conversation where he's speaking uh, to us and we're hearing him and then we speak back to him. We looked at the story of the young boy Samuel in the Old Testament when he first began to hear the Lord speak um, and made kind of two observations about this. That first of all, Hearing God's voice is not automatic. It's not a given, but actually requires something that we persevere in. We have, take time with, takes patience, takes help from others. And the other thing we, we noticed is that although hearing God's voice takes some time and effort on our part, God always makes the first move. That he came and stood by Samuel as he spoke to him. And so God draws near to us and speaks to us. It's why he whispers and not yells, because he's right next to us. If we'll just have ears to hear, okay? Um, and so tonight, we're going to talk about what, kind of, what does it mean to have ears to hear? What, you know, because if we're going to hear him, we have to have a certain kind of ears. So what does it take? What kind of spiritual ears... Does it take to hear the Lord's voice? It's interesting. One of Jesus' favorite things to say when he was teaching the people would be to him or to her, to those who have ears to hear, let them hear. You know, everybody's, of course, like, you know, well, I got ears. But, of course, he's not meaning that, right? He's, he's, he's meaning just because you hear my voice doesn't mean you're really hearing my voice. And some of us know that's what that's like, right? It's called your professor. It's called, you know, whoever, your mother, your, you know, whatever, okay? I hear you, but I don't really hear you. What does it take to really hear the voice of the Lord? Now, those of you who know me well, when it comes to hearing, know that I have one ear to hear, and the other, hear, other ear does not hear so well. Because uh, as a young boy, I you know, just had an ear infection that never got you know, taken care of properly, and so it just created nerve damage. And so I'm, I'm deaf in my right ear, mostly deaf. I can hear a little bit, but not much. Um, and so uh, you know, I always marveled at people who could switch, talking on the phone, and then switch to the other side. Like, That's amazing. I could never do that. Hello? Can you hear me? I can't hear you, okay? Um, or if people go for a walk with me, um, you know, I always have to get, get so my left ear is, is, is right next to them. Because otherwise, if I'm walking and they're on my right side, I have to do this the whole way. And then that usually, you know, that goes poorly when a telephone pole is approaching, right? You want to be able to, to look ahead, but then I can't hear very well. Um, 
And uh, when I'm driving a car, it's a real challenge because, you know, the, the window and, the, you know, even if it's a you know, tight window fit, you still get a little noise there. And, and who's ever on this side, the passenger side talking to me, I don't always hear real well. And so one time when I was first dating Shelly, my wife, before we were married, we were just starting to date. And we didn't know a whole lot about each other. She didn't realize I was deaf in one ear. And we were driving all the way down to Seattle. And she was talking the whole time. And I was, you know, I was doing kind of that. I didn't want to do this because that's dangerous because you can hit things. And so I, I've, I've learned a technique that other hard of hearing people do when they're tired of saying, oh, I can't hear you speak up, is you just act like you hear what they're saying. You nod their head. You go, yeah, and ho, oh, you know, you're laughing. I have no idea what she's saying, right? And so... I'm just doing this all the way down, kind of had her snowed the whole way down. And then we, you know, so then we, um, we were down in Seattle hanging out. And at some point in, in our conversation, she brought up something that I should have known what she was talking about because it was something she had been talking about on the way down. And I was totally clueless. And so I kind of had a fast. I was like, I didn't really even hear you. I'm sorry. And she's, oh, yeah, don't do that, all right? That's not a good thing to, to do when you're first dating somebody. But it's real, it's real fun when I can go to sleep and just put my good ear down and, oh, it's all quiet. So, so I actually don't want the Lord to heal this ear. It's good. I like it. Just, I like it this way, okay? So... So, but having ears to hear, spiritual ears to hear. Some of us have good spiritual ears, and some of us are like me, physically hearing, hard of hearing. So what does it take to, to become better at having ears to hear? So I want to, you know, there's a lot of things we're going to say throughout the series. I want to kind of hone in on two really uh, foundational, basic um, assumptions that we need to have as we approach God if we're going to have ears to hear his voice in our lives. So we're going to look at Psalms 25, verses 8 through 14. So if you have your Bible, you can open that up. Psalms kind of right in the middle, but we'll have the words up on the screen too. Psalms 25, verses 8 through 14. And um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll use this, we'll read it, and we'll kind of use the scripture through our time to help us uh, unpack this idea of what it means to have ears to hear. So let's read that. I'll read it for us, and I think the, yeah, words are up there. So, good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in his ways. He guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. All the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful toward those who keep the demands of his covenant. For the sake of your name, Lord, forgive my iniquity, though it is great. Who then are those who fear the Lord? He will instruct them in the ways they should choose. They'll spend their days in prosperity, and their descendants will inherit the land. The Lord confides in those who fear him, and he makes his covenant known to them. Okay, now there's a lot of things in there, and we'll just kind of, as we go through, we'll pull some things out there. But the first thing, and you know, we can leave that up there, is I just want us to notice the Lord's, what I see is the Lord's deep desire to help us flourish in our life. There's a lot of really good promises in that, that little passage there, that he, he, he seeks our prosperity. And that doesn't simply or even mostly mean financial prosperity. That means he, the, pros, the prospering of our soul, that our, our lives, our relationships, our sense of, of 
purpose and meaning life would, would flourish in us. We're told that the Lord is good and upright, that he wants to instruct us how to live. He wants us to find paths that are, that are, are right and good for us, that will lead to our ultimate blessing. It speaks of probably the one that we, we like is the idea that he'll give guidance to us in our times of choice. I mean, this is a time you're in. There's lots of choices you're making, right? <gasps> Major, where do I live? Do I want to be with that person? Ah, you know, lots of choices that you're making. Guidance for that. And it speaks of the Lord confiding in us as a dear friend would confide with an intimate, close friend. The Lord desires to confide Share his heart with us. Speak to us. So I really think, you know, and that really captures the essence of this, this, the heart of this series, to hear God's voice, one who walks with us for our good, helping us in our choosing. And I think whether you've been a Christian for a long time or you wouldn't call yourself a Christian here tonight, I think these are all things that we deeply hope for, right? We want a blessed life. We might not use that term because that's kind of a religious term, but, you know, we want our life to go well. We want guidance in times of choice. We want help in finding the paths that are right, that will lead for our ultimate good. We, wanna, we, we, we hope that, and have, that there's idea of someone greater than ourselves who is for us, who's near us, who's speaking to us, who's helping us along the way. I think whether you would call yourself a Christian or not, you say, yeah, that sounds good. I'm gonna, I'd like to sign up for that. I think that's what the Lord offers us in a relationship with him and being able to hear his voice. Now, I think these promises, these things we're hoping for, they come with some assumptions. I might call them the prereqs. You're all into prereqs, right? You know, get your prereqs to get into your, you know, whatever your classes, your major is, right? There's some prereqs if uh, some assumptions we need to embrace if we're going to experience this kind of intimate companionship and guidance with God, this kind of awareness of him speaking to us. And so I want to take time to talk about a couple of those that I see out of this passage, okay? So the first assumed condition or prereq that we, that we need to have is we, when it comes to hearing God's voice, having ears to hear, is that we must seek to love God and not simply use God. So as we're talking about this whole idea of hearing God, we've got to put this whole topic into a larger context that for Christians, the goal isn't simply to hear God, but it is to be in a real relationship with God. It's to, to seek to deeply know him and love him and allow him to transform our lives. But honestly, a lot of people, and Christians included, aren't really interested in that, in loving God. They're just interested in using God. You know, I liken it to some people approach God and prayer and getting, you know, a word from the Lord, kind of like the magic eight ball. I don't know, do you guys, do you still have those? I got the picture up there. I, this was thing when I was a kid, and I was like, oh, I think I could find it on Google, but I wasn't sure if that was like, you guys know what that is? Okay, all right, good. Not, the old guy isn't too out of touch yet, okay? So, and you know, the magic eight ball, it's just a fun little thing, and you know, and you, you, you think about a question you want to answer to, right? And then you go, well, you know, should I date Susie Q? Oh, you know, or should I become a biochem major? 
only if Susie Q is, you know. And, and then you, you, you shake it, right? And then the, the floaty pyramid comes, and then you get, you know, your answer, like, try again, or the outlook is good, or no, or buy the newest, latest magic eight ball upgrade for the answer you're looking for, right, you know. Um, and, you know, it's a you know, fun, fun, fun. But I think, honestly, sometimes people tend to approach God this way. We kind of reduce hearing God's voice to some kind of magic, some form of divination where we're getting some insider information. And when we do that, God no longer becomes a, a living being to us who we relate to, but really we're reducing God kind of to a celestial vending machine from which we're going to extract the secret insider information that can help us get ahead and be successful with kind of our own pursuits and dreams and desires. When we do this, we're using God. When we're, when, we're, when we're approaching guidance this way or trying to get a word from the Lord this way, I think it's a form of spiritual prostitution. That's where you get the goodies without the relationship, right? That's kind of what sometimes we do when we're, we're approaching God this way. I don't want a relationship. I just want the good stuff. Like, tell me what to do so I'm successful in my life. And that, isn't, that, is, that is not being the prereq for hearing God's voice, for having ears to hear. You know, and sometimes I see this approach at work in, in, in people uh, when they, they're only seeking God and his guidance in times of trouble or facing major decisions. Otherwise, they're really not interested in hearing God. Dallas Willard has this quote that I think is, you know, kind of says it more eloquently. And I think we have it up there for you. It says, do we seek God's voice only in difficult, troubled times or for big decisions? Our answer may reveal that our failure to hear his voice when we want is due to the fact that we do not in general want to hear it, that we only want it when we think we need it. Yeah, that's when we're using God. Or maybe you've had the experience of a a friend. We probably all had a friend who would only come over or call when they needed something that we had. I don't know if you've had any of those kinds of friends. You see them coming, you see the call coming, you're like, ah, they just want something from me. Give me, give me, give me. You know, we, we've, we've had those kinds of friendship, probably most of us, and it, it, we're being used. And it doesn't feel good, right? We don't, we don't enjoy that. And yet sometimes we treat God this way. Some of us may need to repent of using God and not actually seeking to love him. Here's what the psalmist says to kind of correct that and get us into a a good place. Twice the psalmist uses the word covenant in this passage we looked at. So verse 10, all the ways of the Lord are are loving and faithful towards those who keep the demands of his covenant. And verse 14, the Lord confides in those who fear him. He makes his covenant known to them. So covenant is a powerful relational word. It's this two-way relational reality marked by love and faithfulness by both parties. We'll speak of covenant in terms of making a marriage covenant. And there are other kinds of covenants. But it's the foundational way we approach God. And this whole topic of hearing his voice is we are covenant people. We walk in a, in a desire to love the God who first loved us. And so seeking to get a, a word from God is always secondary to seeking to love him for simply who he is.
And here's the good news. When we begin to love him, we begin to hear him, and he does guide us and instruct us. But one has to come before the other, okay? So that's one thought. Another thought, and it's really similar to the, the, this, this thought of using God, loving God versus using God, but it kind of pushes it a bit further. Um, so it's this. If we're to have ears to hear God, then we must be ready to do business with God. If we're going to have ears to hear God, then we must be ready to do business with God. If we genuinely want to hear God's voice, then we need to realize that hearing his voice comes with, uh, it has real implications, real expectations with it. Namely, that we would do what we hear him saying. The psalmist in, 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 in this passage, verse 9, says, The Lord guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. So humility... I think is a part of this. To be humble is you have a right view of yourself. And the only way you have a right view of yourself is if you have a right view of who God is. That is the Bible's teaching. You can never really understand yourself if you don't understand God. You'll never have a right view about yourself if you don't have a right view of God. And when it comes to seeing God, when we see God as king of the universe... The exalted one, the one to whom every knee will one day bow, the one who is the all-wise one, all-knowing one, the one who is deserving of our utmost obedience. Then our hearts are in the right posture, and then our ears are beginning to be tuned into how we'll actually be able to hear him and gladly receive his word to him. The psalmist says it again this way in verse 14, The Lord confides in those who fear him. So who are those who the Lord confides in, who shares his, his, his you know, intimate communication with? Those who fear him. Who are those who will hear what the Lord is saying? Those who fear him. And, and fear, I do think it actually has a, some sense of holy smokes. I could get toasted, you know, by the Lord. I could. I mean, you read your Old Testament and, whoa, there's a sense of fear. And even if the angels, angels of the Lord would show up, you know, people would fall down dead. And that's just an, an angel. But it, I want us to think of fear also has this idea of, uh, of deep respect, reverence, awe, an acute awareness that God is not to be trifled with, but he is to be listened to and he is to be obeyed. And that's a that's tricky, you know. I've, I've been doing my little, you know. I don't do a lot of Netflix, but I've been watching the, the one little miniseries on The Crown about Queen Elizabeth. She's getting old. She's going to pass away. I'm getting ready for it. So I know the story when it all goes down, okay? So, but here's one thing. I, it was so weird is that, you know, because it's through family and birth order, uh, you know, Elizabeth was... When she became queen, her mother would have to bow to her and kiss her hand. It was weird. It was kind of weird. And her husband would have to walk behind her because she was, she was the majesty. We are so, you know, we're Americans, right? We just like, we like to throw off monarchs and stuff like that. So we have a hard time with the idea of fear and reverence and awe and respect. So we might struggle a bit with this. But I think we need to get our, our heart and our, 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 you know, our spirits around this. Jesus at one point says this, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, 
and don't do what I say. I, right, why do you call me that and you won't do what I say? So here's a good question to ask yourselves as we're going through this series and tonight. It isn't simply, how can I hear God's voice better? I mean, that is the point of the series, I get it. But maybe a primary, uh, you know, a, a question before that, especially for our uh, topic tonight is, what would I do if I heard God? What would I do if I heard God? Am I ready to be in business with him? Or am I actually in business for myself and I'm just trying to use a little God to advance my own agendas? I'm going to quote Dallas Willard again because it's just helpful here, I think. He writes this. Perhaps we do not hear God's voice because we do not expect to hear it. Then again, perhaps we do not expect it because we know that we fully intend to run our own run our lives on our own, and have never seriously considered anything else. The voice of God would therefore be an unwelcome intrusion into our plans. But by contrast, we expect great spiritual leaders to hear that voice, God's voice, just because we see their lives wholly given up to do what God wants. Hmm. If you're going to have ears to hear, You've got to be ready to be willing to do what he says. At least say, Lord, help me be willing to do what I hear you saying. So um, uh, many of you know, I, I think I've alluded to it before, but uh, some of you don't know, we, uh, I have my four kids, and then Shelly and I right now have two, uh, we're kind of pseudo-foster parenting two very little ones, uh, an almost two-year-old and a three-month-old. And so, whoo, you know, I'm going back about 15 years in my life. To, I forgot what it's like to do diapers and not sleep. Um, <laughs> welcome, you know, keeps me young, right? Or makes me old. I'm not sure which one it is. So, um, and um, I won't tell you the whole, I won't tell you the story how that all came about to be. But um, when Alma Luna first came to us last summer in July, you know, I began to just pray a lot because I kind of knew the whole situation. I was like, Oh, man, you know, what if this comes down to, like, they won't, can't go back to their mom and dad, and we might have to, maybe we'd be asked to adopt, and <gasps> so I was, I just wanted the Lord to tell me, well, how's this going to end? I just need to know, Lord, I just want to fast forward through this whole thing and just get to the end and show me what the end, end deal is, and God was, was very much not going to tell me that. In fact, very much hasn't yet told me that, but I did sense this is what the Lord kept asking. As I would pray, he would say, David, if I did in fact call you to have these girls for the long run, even to adopt them, would you be willing? I need to know if I have your heart and your obedience in the matter. I'm not going to tell you yet whether that's going to happen. That's for a, a later discussion. I just need to know if you would be willing. I mean, that was a struggle. It's still a little bit of a struggle, you know, I'm... You know, I'm, I'm thinking about my 50s and 60s and, you know, getting all my kids out of the house, not new kids in, right? But the Lord was asking as I was praying and trying to hear his voice on this, really was saying, are you, are you willing? Are you ready to do business with me, David? Because anybody who's re- ready to do business with me, you know, better be ready for what I might ask. 
And so I really, you know, entered into this season of prayer and asking the Lord simply to purify my heart kind of over the summer and early fall, just praying, Lord, help me to just be willing, you know, just to say, to call you Lord, Lord, and do what you say if you call me to do that. Now, towards the end of that time, I was, I was meeting with Jeff Mudley, um, and uh, Jeff had shared with me that he had gone off on a prayer retreat and to go hear God and to pray. And part of his time there was to, to pray for the staff and to listen for all of us, which is awesome, on our behalf, to just spend time praying for us. And then really listen. And then he would write down what he sensed the Lord saying and then make a commitment to share it with us. So he was praying for me. And he felt like the Lord told him uh, in his time of prayer, and he wrote it down, it was, he says, Jeff, I want you to share with David, uh, I'm pleased with your prayers. Just, I'm pleased with your prayers. That was it. Just, just, just share that. Jeff had no idea what I was praying or what it was how to do. You know, so it took some real obedience on his part. Like, mm, so I got this word here, but I'm not sure. It's just, what do you think? And so when we were meeting up and Jeff was sh- shared that with me, man, it was just kaboom. <gasps> because that was right in the season when I had been praying this. Very specifically, almost every day, you know, I'd take Alma Luna up to see the sheep at the end of our road, and, and I'd pray this thing, like, Lord, what is happening here? I'm an old man with this young little child, you know? Um, and and it, the Lord had confided. He had confided in Jeff, and he confided in me. Now, he didn't tell me the end game, still hasn't, but I knew that he had heard my prayers, very specific prayers, and I knew that he was pleased with them. And that's all I needed. Right now, that's all I need. And it was enough for what I needed. And I think the Lord longs to give us those kinds of words, those kinds of assurances, or at times, those kinds of corrections. But we've got to have a heart to, to embrace or to do or to believe what we're being told. When we posture our hearts in an open, submissive manner, then we will begin to have ears to hear. And it takes faith. It's a journey. I don't want to say I got it all down, you know. But, you know, Lord, I want to be willing to do what you call me to do. Isn't that how Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, right? He was like, man, is there like another way we can do this? You know, I don't know. This whole cross business, there's got to be like option B, C, D, E, F, or G. But, not my will, but yours be done. And the Lord didn't change the plan, but he gave him the grace, right? And so I think there's this real call for us. Are, you, are we ready to do business with God? In, in, in a sense, can God count on you to do what he would tell you? Because if not, why would he confide in you? Does that sound harsh? He loves us. But we we need to get to that place. And that's his his grace and his work in our life. Now, at this point, I realize that, you know, this idea of doing business with an all-powerful God who's asking for obedience could, for some, whether Christian or or not Christian, could be kind of an off-putting idea. Right? I mean, they, we, we kind of live in a, in a time when people are generally suspicious of those in authority, right? We don't like when people are asking for obedience. And we've seen enough abuse of power, maybe personally or just in generally, that it makes us leery, this whole, this, my whole talk makes some of you leery now. <gasps> oh, God sounds like a heavy-handed power trip kind of dude, 
You know, I'm not sure I'm down with that. I'm not sure I like that. I'm not sure I can do that or trust God in that way. That's too much. You know, and I, I do think at some level it would be understandable, even justifiable to think that way. If, if our vision of God never contained Jesus or the cross, I think I would be in that same boat. I think I would go, ah, I don't think so. I think this is just a big power trip. I'm not into that. But because of Jesus and because of the cross and the way that shapes our understanding of God, it, it, I think it makes what I'm talking about very something we could actually do. Today's Good Friday, right? So this is the day that Christians throughout the world remember the willing sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross for us. It's, it, I think it's the climax of God showing us how he does, in fact, do business with us. That he doesn't do business with us by kind of sitting on his heavenly throne, pointing, telling us to hurry, get busy, do all the things I need you to do. But it, in fact, the gospel is a story of, of God, the creator, coming down into this world. Even to, in the form of a helpless baby. And trusting himself to us. Leaving the safe, secure realms of heaven, coming down for our rescue and for our salvation at a tremendous personal cost. This is a king who's not on a power trip. This is a king who takes responsibility for the world he's made. This is a king who takes responsibility for the mess you and I have made of the world, our own personal world, if we're honest with ourselves. This is a God who, who, who deals with the mess by taking all the relational brokenness, indifference, greed, apathy, hatred, selfishness, injustice into himself, somehow spiritually, into himself on the cross. And bearing that weight. This is a king whose way of doing business with us is to pay our penalty. Is to pay off our spiritual debt. That we all rack up when we simply choose to live life on our own terms. And we've all done it. When we've all chosen to use God or others rather than to love them. And we've all done it. This is a king who doesn't, did not and does not use power for his own advantage or personal gain. But is the gospel is one picture after another, climaxed in the cross of God letting go of his power, releasing his power, even to the point of becoming obedient to death for us. So that he could win us forgiveness and a second chance. This is a God who would rather go to hell for us than enter heaven without us. This is a king who radically loves us, is trustworthy, would never abuse us, always uses his power to serve us and to save us. And if you read the end of the story, you realize this is a king who ultimately shares his power and authority with us. And I would just say this to the skeptic or those who feel nervous about this whole thing, this is, a, this is a king and this is a God I can do business with. This is a king I can trust. This is a king whose voice I would be eager to hear because I know he's not on a power trip. Oh, he'll ask me to do very hard things. Trust me. 
It's not for the faint of heart if you're signing up to follow Jesus. He'll ask you to do very hard things. I mean, he did tell his disciples, you want to be my disciple? Take up your cross and follow me. And that was in a day when crosses weren't little pretty things worn around the neck. They would walk by them regularly and see people hanging on them. And yet, why did these disciples jump in wholeheartedly? Because they knew how deeply they'd been loved. That they would gladly obey him. Because, as the psalmist says, the Lord is good and he is upright. His desire is to bring blessing to us. And so when I begin, when, when, I, when I say God, you know, people say, I believe in God. Your question should always be, what God? I believe in God who's the Father and of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the God I believe in. That's the God who I could yield to and say, I will do what you say. Whatever you say, I will do. When I know God this way, then I can, I can love him and not use him. When I know God this way, I can do business with him because I know he's good. And really, it's only the gospel, it's only the cross, and it's only Easter that can make me get into that place where I could say I can actually trust myself to hear and do what God says. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray. The worship team's going to come up, and we're going to sing a song. And then we're going to uh, move into a time of communion together. And I think that'll be, I'll explain a bit, you know, how I think that fits in with our uh, our, our, our topic tonight. But uh, so worship team, come forward. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray. We'll sing a song, and then I'll lead us in a time of communion. Lord, we thank you. Um, you desire that we, you desire our blessing. You desire to bring us to a good place. You desired it so much that you went to the cross for us. They're not empty words or just easily rattled off promises, but you backed it up by going to the cross. That's how much I want to see your prosperity. That's how much I want to bring you into a good way, a good path, a way that brings blessing. So much so that I, in fact, will go to the cross on your behalf. Lord, uh, we confess sometimes we do seek to just use you. We want to do our own business and just bring you along to, you know, give a little blessing to what we're doing. And we know you're not really interested in that because that way ultimately is is a dead end. And Lord, we know sometimes we, we doubt your goodness. We don't trust you very deeply. Jesus, we know the reason you could obey the Father even to the point of death on a cross is because you knew that the Father was and is good, fundamentally good to be trusted even when we're asked to do very difficult things. It's always for our good. Lord, would you reveal yourself to us as a God who's worthy to be loved for your own sake and for a God who is worthy to be trusted. We give you our love and our trust tonight.